Oh, wow. You can tell I haven't done an episode in quite some time, folks. How are you? Welcome back to the FLA Exposure Podcast, episode 153. It's probably been three weeks to a month or so since we did an episode, so thanks uh, for joining, and thanks for tuning in for anybody who's catching it later. Again, this episode is sponsored by a good friend, sponsors out in uh, Winnipeg, Beat It Sport. Check them out online, beatitcanada.ca. That's beat it with two E's. All right, folks, let's get into it. Uh, really excited to have this guy, a guy I've known for a hell of a long time in the martial arts community out here in the East Coast. Uh, Dave Reynolds is a guy who's competed all over the world, uh, a multiple-time Pan Am winner in Masters Division I. Um, he's competed in Boston. He's competed in the UK. He's competed on our events as well a couple of times and uh, a fantastic grappler and a fantastic martial artist. Also, uh, an extremely successful entrepreneur as well. Uh, a guy that uh, hopefully we're going to be working with in, in the future and a guy that has taken a lot of businesses and, you know, zero to hero in, in a good amount of time. So uh, a guy that has a lot of experience in both facets and we're really excited to have him jump on and, and join us here and kind of kind of chat and uh, catch up. Let's uh, bring him on right away. Halifax Jiu-Jitsu Brown Belt, Mr. Dave Reynolds. How are you, sir? Very good. I think every time I get on a Zoom, I feel like I need to wave. Uh, but uh, it's it's great to see your brother. Happy to be on and uh, super excited. Holy smokes, 153 episodes! Like, good for you guys. That's amazing. You know what? Thank you, man. And it's it's actually been uh, it's one of those things. Like sometimes the program works, sometimes the program doesn't work, and sometimes I work, sometimes you know the to to put together them all. It's it's a little bit of work, but it's been a, it's a hell of a, a, a lot of fun for sure. How you been? Been going good, man. Uh, actually, it's uh, it's been a, a wild year for mm. for the business. I mean, obviously, no jujitsu is making me a little stir crazy. But uh, other than that, uh, I think I was telling you, I got a rowing machine, I got a bike, I got a ton of weights, but it, it's not cutting rolling on those mats. No, <laughs> it really isn't. And rolling with you is, uh, I don't know how much stronger you need to become uh, from ro rowing or anything, but rolling with you is obviously uh, for me, especially like. I, I enjoy it, but you're a super tough guy, man. You're big, you're strong, you're, and you're really athletic going back to, I guess, like what we talked about, like, uh, or I mentioned about how many times you went and competed internationally and locally as well. And um, is, is strength always been something that you kind of, we'll get back into it, how you get into martial arts, but strength, is that something that's always been kind of came natural to you or you worked a lot at it or? You know what? I, I was always on and off the gym, but you know what's funny is like when I was in the gym initially, it was always like probably white. Most people join the gym like, hey, I want to look good. I want to yeah. look fizzled. Yeah. When I got back into the gym, it was more like I wanted to be stronger uh, so I could compete better. Mm -hmm. I could move better. So I stuck to a lot of like squats, deadlifts, military presses, like big muscle group stuff, like more explosive activities. And I found like my jujitsu game took off hmm. significantly. So, and I find with a lot of those activities, because you're carrying a lot of weight, it helps your grip as well. So, I try yeah, and lay grips. the clamps. <laughs> I try and put the clamps on the people whenever I can. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, it's it's a sport, right? Everybody plays it differently. That's the beauty of it, man. So, how how did you get into it? I guess we'll we'll start back there. Like how like everybody. I talk on here kind of, we have somewhat similar, but seem like kind of different. How'd you get into this? I got to take this hat off. Yeah. You know what? Funny, uh, funny story. So when I was back in high school, which is a million years ago, like I was doing it like when Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was like not even heard of. And I did it for a couple of years. Uh, you know, I trained a bit with Aaron Jollymore way back when we went to high school together. It was over at Titans. Amazing. Jolly, black talented and uh and it was fun i just when i got to university i just totally stopped it was just obviously other interests and things mm -hmm. like that and when i turned about 30 or so i i just realized i was on the road a lot and i you know i had a young family and i just i knew i wanted something else so i signed up at bushido kai to kind of tell my wife hey i want to go in for one day a week yeah and if anybody <laughs> yeah. knows me i'm uh Oh, I'm an all or nothing kind yeah. of thing. And uh, I joined and, uh, hey, you know what? Like, it was awesome. You know, I think I, you know, I tapped out because of cardio for the first, like, couple of months. And uh, I just fell in love with it because I love the challenge. And uh, I remember there was a tournament that came up and it was Montreal, which was my first IBJJF. I remember that, yeah. And uh, I went up and I ended up getting gold in my, in my division. And I was like, just hooked after that. So all I wanted to do was, was compete. So because I was fortunate enough to travel a lot for my job, 
anytime that I would go to Toronto, I would fly to New York, do a tournament, and then leave the next day and go to the, the business meeting. So I was constantly so traveling and tagging in tournaments along the way. That's the thing. I, I wanted to ask you about that because it's brilliant. Not not like it, A, your competition experience is just getting better and better, but your connections and, and you're probably dropping in for a Did you train a lot while you're a random and meet a lot of people drop into random clubs? Yeah, all the time. And so I would, uh, especially traveling around the land of Canada, you know, I trained with the guys up in uh, MXT in, in New Brunswick. Yep. There is when we had, you know, PI in the territory, I would go train with, uh, with the Gracie team over there. And nice. uh, just incredible just to see different teaching styles, you know, get to roll with different people in different clubs. And, and you know what it's like when you roll with different people you haven't rolled with before? You kind of get to get used to their style. Oh, yeah. so you're you're definitely you're definitely getting some great rounds in, which is great. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of brings you back to like almost competing, like really. Like I, I hate competing. I'm not a great competitor, but and I I stop, man. I even get really like anxiety, like sometimes rolling with new people. It's weird. Like uh, I don't know what it is. Like if uh, I don't know when you're, I don't know what it is. If it's, you get to a certain age and you're like Jesus, I don't want to get hurt or whatever. And then so I. I I keep, I keep my ego in check, but then sometimes when my ego comes out, I'm like, you know what? No. All right. Let's go. But for the most part, I'm pretty tame, I find, man. But yeah, it's, did you do other sports growing up? Yeah. So when I grew up, uh, I, did, I played a lot of baseball. So I did pitching, catching, played a lot of competitive sports for that. But that was like my life right up until, you know, the end of high school. And yeah. then uh, from there, kind of really just kind of moved over into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and was doing that quite a bit. And, uh, and so I, you know, honestly, once I just got to university, just dropped it like, like cold turkey and then just picked it up at 30 again. So, you know, Ray dropped a comment then earlier, we were talking about that and you just mentioned too, like you grappling back in the day before, you know, and there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, who put, put a lot of time in before the clubs were official, I guess you could say around here and like yourself, what was it like then? And, and you're talking about Jolly, another wonderful guy and this, like just a great guy and who's super talented. Uh, what was it like kind of probably learning off VHS tapes, I would assume? Oh, my gosh. I remember getting some of the original Gracie tapes and, like, uh, putting them in there, rewinding them, watching them, rewinding them, watching them. But, like, <laughs> you know, I think that when we were training in Bridgewater, it was, like, an old gymnastic, a gymnastic club. And then there was, like, I figure what the other area was. It was closer to Chester, and they had rented out, like, uh, a small gym. And it was literally, I remember, a small hexagon mats in the middle of the room and i i remember hitting my arm on like the wood floor constantly mat burn and like just getting destroyed but it was funny because it was still back to the basics like a lot of like closed guard stuff mm -hmm. a lot of mount a lot of just straight arm bars and uh honestly just a lot of people that like to wrestle but even back then there was shoot wrestling and and ray was involved where he'd bring in some of the traditional jujitsu and uh a lot of it was super motivating to kind of like keep learning and keep learning. But where the sports at today, it's like, oh my gosh, like night and day. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's it's. I'm I'm a pretty basic guy. Like I love lag locks and I love kind of fancy stuff. But I'm a really basic person when it comes to my jujitsu. Under Jared, like he's a pretty basic, you know, fundamental. I guess not flashy, I guess what you'd say, but you get guys who are like up and down or girls bear and bolo and, and like a lot of the fancy worm guard stuff. And it's really interesting to watch and see how it's progressed over the years. And it's almost like hockey though. Cause you can look at hockey. Like when we grew up with Gretzky and, and how they moved and it's almost like, it's like in pause compared to now it's weird. Yeah, I, I agree. To be honest, like, and I find the sport will go through like, I'd say fads, but you'll see certain things that'll become really ultra popular, like mm -hmm. Keenan when he brought up the lapel guard. I jumped on that. You know, you start seeing a lot of people more like leaning to like leg lock. So I started yep. doing a lot of that. And I find it definitely like rounds out your game. But like similar to yourself, like I like to stick to the basics. And I'm I'm big on mastering one thing and, and sticking to that and trying to hit it from every position. Mm -hmm. So like I, I love like Kimura. So anybody yeah. that ever rolls with me, like I'll always try and get the Kimura from every position. Like when I did worlds, when I was at blue, I got submission at, in every match and every single one was the Kimura. Nice. So I was like, <laughs> just Kimura hunting day and night. <laughs> Man, it's a, a thing my dad always said to me growing up. He's like, first you get good, then you get fast. And it's very true, right? Like at the end of the day, like everybody is well-rounded once you get to that level, like you're competing at, you know, on a world level. But, 
still it's when you're really really good at one thing and and from every angle like you said that's very very good advice and very smart because no matter what you're, you can hit it from anywhere everybody wants those flashy moves because they, they 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 look good but uh, i tell you once you're in the competition uh i'd rather have one of those those things that are just programmed in that i know how to hit from every angle versus trying to figure something out from all different angles yeah that's well the thing is the body moves in at all times in a different way if you can focus on your fundamentals and where you're going to hit it as opposed to hopefully this person ends up in that position like you know it's 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 like a lottery really um but i want to ask you about the ruminate group and uh your business and if that's okay and kind of talk a little yeah. bit about that because you're super successful with it you've always kind of been a guy that uh is very motivating um for me and i would love to just kind of ch kind of chat about it and how kind of how you kind of get into it and and yeah. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I always love kind of sharing that stuff back and forth. And it's actually a funny story is, uh, so there's two businesses I used to run. I remember when I was in university, I had this product, uh, we designed it. I brought it to one of my entrepreneurship classes. Everybody really enjoyed it. It was a product called QuickSnap, which, you know, we got ended up getting selling like all over the world for the footwear industry. And it was funny. We ended up going on the TV show, The Dragon's Den mm -hmm. uh, on season three. And it was really cool. It was an amazing experience. And to be honest, we get accepted to go on the show before we even audition. Uh, so we just submitted an application and I never watched the show, like never <laughs> watched the show. So leading up to it, we had already had Venture Cap uh, invest already. And we went on the show with the intention of getting no's and ended up getting yeses, which we weren't even prepared for. And so it was a fun experience, but it was funny, probably about eight months after that, I sold my shares with that, moved on, and uh, ended up working for a telecommunications company for almost a decade and an amazing opportunity because I got the chance to, you know, lead, hire, train like a group of you know, 80 to 100 people with a lot of amazing leaders. And uh, it got to a point where I was traveling a lot and I was really fortunate, but I really felt like I was bottlenecked. I just, mm. there was a part of the job that I loved, and that was the coaching and running some of the actual meetings, so more of the facilitation side. So it was funny. So Jack Cameron's a really good friend of mine. And uh, and I ended up running into him at a hockey game. I think I had him over into one of the boxes at the Metro Center there when they called it the Metro Center. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and I ended up started doing some consulting with him because he said, hey, would you come in and do some work with me? And started doing some work with him. He had some great success. And I started working with Premier Mortgage, which was a, an amazing mm -hmm. opportunity to get started out. So. I always wanted to consult and I kind of fell backwards into it and uh, really great to have people like Jack in my life that mm. I got to start there with that and then uh, ran into somebody over coffee and got to work with McGinnis Cooper for a while. So McGinnis Cooper is one of the biggest law firms in Canada. And so I got to come in and work with some of their associates. Wow. And, and I was kind of doing that for a while while I was working in the telecommunications business. So I'm kind of doing both lives for almost two years. And uh, I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I've got to jump out and do this. So I ended up running into getting a, like a major contract through my company uh, with the company New Brunswick. So picture this, it's February, 2020. And I just signed this contract. I leave a job I've been in for 10 years, getting paid amazing money, uh, very secure. And, I, and this, this opportunity was huge. Uh, I take my wife, my kids uh, and my parents down south in March, 2020. And I literally left on March the 10th. And uh, we were there and midway through it, it was like pandemic. And oh, so we came dude. back and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna end up losing my biggest client. And uh, they were like, you know what? No, it was all good. Like, but we worked together for a bit and then it just didn't make sense. So as of June last year, I branched out on just working through all different industries. I had an amazing client in New Brunswick that I branched off with as well. But now we've been in like pharma, we've been in food, we've been in banking, we've been in fintech, like media, like you name it. Uh, so we've been working with like national clients and international clients and uh, it's been an amazing journey and I'm just so grateful to have such amazing clients. But what we do is like we work on a lot of sales strategy, a lot of business development, but we do a lot of like learning and development programs that are customized to organizations. But our saying is always like we take companies from where they are to where they want to go mm. and we build the steps in between. Like a lot of companies are out there in the consulting space are, you know, they'll give you the toolbox and they're truly amazing toolboxes. But if you give some of the toolbox and they don't know how to utilize it, yeah. 
you know, it doesn't always, you know, uh, see the best value. So our goal is to, we can design it, but we have to be there to implement it. So we partner with a lot of organizations to make sure that everything we design, everything we put together gets put into the market and they see the most success. So their goal becomes our goal. You know, their success Very becomes smart. our success. So, so we really partner on that. And that's, that's something we really hold true to our value system. So we would be more apt to say no to the toolbox and more to the partnership. Hmm. That's very, very smart because at the end of the day, if you're putting out the like the toolbox that's branded by you essentially, and they don't know how to, that's very good because they don't know how to use those tools. They're not going to come back and those tools become useless. So at the end of the day, if you're there, you're, you're the company that's providing the tools and helping them. That's very, very smart. No, I appreciate that. And uh, it's definitely something that's associated with our brand, like big in 2020, like we did a ton of presentations with a lot of amazing organizations that helped us get some exposure and get out there and meet some great people. But, you know, we found like we've always taken a crawl, walk, run approach to business where, you know, we're okay with just trying to kind of figure things out. And, and we found a lot of the people that we started with, like all those engagements got bigger and bigger because they could see the value that you know, we wanted to provide. So, uh, you know, we're big on, you know, supporting all of our clients at any stage. That's, it's interesting you say that. And that's the, the thing about businesses and you and I've had these discussions outside of off the record stuff. And, and, you know, by, by any means I'm learning every day, like John and I both learning every single day on things. And I've come such a, a long way since 2015 when I kind of started in this kind of stuff. And, and we've kind of spoke about that and it's amazing how much you can kind of learn, when you you just kind of whether it's reading books or or just kind of experience is is the biggest thing too really yeah oh 100 percent. you know what's funny is i remember having a conversation with somebody i think they were either a white belt at the time and probably an amazing brown belt or black belt now yeah, and we we're yeah. chatting about like how do you get better at jujitsu and i find this applies to business and i remember somebody saying like you get better at jujitsu by competitions privates and seminars and there was like those three buckets and obviously showing up every day and staying yeah. consistent i'm like you know what that makes a lot of sense and i remember early on i did a ton of privates with you know nick from mxt yeah. and just got to ask some of those questions that you know you might mm -hmm. not get in class and but the beauty with competition is like it gets to kind of put you in the pressure cooker and you, you get to kind of test out what you what you've taken in and that's the application stage right and and yeah. seminars are like that next level of knowledge that you just get to seize from like, you know, Lucal Supreme when he was down, like, like he's, he's incredible. I was pissed. I was pissed. Like I didn't make that one. I had to work. I was not impressed, but uh, I, I will get there next time he comes down. But you're right, man. Like that's one thing I, I haven't competed a ton, like maybe 10 times in my whole life and not a lot. And, and I don't enjoy it. But that's one thing I said to, to Jared, once I got my black belt, I was like, I got to compete more. And, and of course, COVID is here, but uh, after that, I do, I want to get in on one of these Kumite events at some point. I want to, you know, kind of put myself, like you say, it's application process of what's the point, you know, it's, it's, what's the real point? Like, cause I look at this, it's, you know, you can, you can say like, oh, I fuck him up or whatever, but man, like I always say this to a lot of people like who say that kind of stuff. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like no idea. <laughs> like if you have a guy like your size, for example, but how, how big are you, Dave? Like six, six four, four, about two, 230. Yeah, like you're a big dude and you're athletic and you know what you're doing. But even get a guy like yourself who's that size and doesn't know what he's doing, he's still a huge, big athletic guy. Yeah. So, man, there's limits on everything, I think. And, and no one, I don't know. It's no, I, I know exactly. And you know, it's funny, even, even if you get athletic people that at some point are, are still good at grappling, it's funny, even if you take some of the judo people, or you take some of the high level wrestlers, like just switching sports and going through like a different rhythm for cardio, I found has been a game changer. And I'm sure if we went over and did their sport, like same thing, like it just it's a yeah. totally different. It's like you're doing a different dance, right? Like, I, mean, I feel so like they I want to put their D on now. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Get get guys like you gripping me, and I'm just like, oh my god, look at this. But it's it's a different thing altogether. It's been so long since I've kind of put time into a gi, and but I, I gotta, I'd like to kind of focus on that again once this kind of foolishness gets all over. Kind of kind of just doing techniques and drills, and and kind of starting at, at basic things again. 
I, I hear you. And I found like with the pandemic and everything that was going on, like I'm a very routine guy. Like I like to like program my routine and like doing yeah. certain things because we do that with business. But I just found like when things shut down and they started up and they shut down and they started up, like I just, it was hard for me to like reprogram. So I couldn't put in as much time and I probably could have, but it was hard for me to navigate my schedule. And and part of what we do with businesses is we do this thing called the fit model and it's called frequency, intensity, and technique. And so we apply that to business, like how often you're doing something, how much you're putting in, so how much you're investing. And then, Mm. then what's the technique you're trying to evolve? And I'm thinking, like, as I'm talking to you, I'm like, holy crap, like, that that fits to jujitsu. I'm like, the guys that keep showing up more often are going to get more return. Yeah. The people that put the intensity on the mats are going to see the return. And the people that are always looking to evolve their technique versus stay in the same area, you know, that's like really the evolution model. And, geez, at Halifax BJJ, like, I've seen so many guys, even just in the year of being not as consistent on the mats, being like, smokes these guys are killers yeah it's it's interesting man like i notice that a lot like when i go in there or other gyms like uh you know i don't i'm a little bit timid when i go into a gym i'm never obviously going full balls to the walls if i would go enroll with my coach or or people that i've trained with for 10 years for some reason i never kind of let that go um but it's it's amazing when you go into other gyms and you see how far the sport has come and and you get people who are blue belts and and just like really good, like like kind of taking you and double legging you in, in a proper way, or like it just yeah. like, I think of like a kid like Evan McIsaac is who I'm thinking of, like at, at Halifax Jiu Jitsu, like just the, the sport has come a long way, and it's cool because I, I like the fact that that like wrestling, Jiu Jitsu, Judo, it's all kind of not all become one, and I don't want to. I'm sure I'm going to get some hate from that, but it's it's at the end of the day, it's like Ray always said, it's submission grappling. In, uh, in my opinion, uh, in jujitsu, anyway, this is a whole other kind of discussion, I guess we're getting yeah. into. But um, oh, but I love the commitment that you see some, from some of these people that like you know really dedicate that part of their life to jujitsu, and like I admire that because I'm an I'm an all in kind of guy. Yeah. And uh, geez, yeah. like when I was at Marcelo's in New York, like uh, you know, and Joel and Josh and Christine and every and Jared and all, everybody, we all I think we were like ten people stayed in the hotel room. And we go to Marcellus and you see some people that are like blue belts and like they can whoop your butt all day. Like, cause they just like, they're there for three classes a day or four classes a day. And, mm-hmm. and that's what they're doing. And I'm just, I admire that. Yeah, for sure, man. Like that's the beauty of life goals, right? Like that's the thing. Like people can, can say, and we all can be angry about this, you know, uh, Canada and the States and everybody what's going on right now. But at the end of the day, we want to get that back where we can have these dreams and goals and succeed and, and have the ability to be like, you know what, I'm going to work at a diner overnight and clean the floors or whatever I want to do. And I'm going to train three times a day because I want to be a gold medalist at the pans like Dave or whatever, I, you know, like, and right now people don't have those opportunities and it's, and it's, it's, I kind of, I struggle with thinking like that because it's, it's very privileged. Like Dr. Strang said today, it's very privileged, I guess, to think that way. But at the end of the day, it's like, fuck man, like people have worked really hard here, you know, to get to a certain level. So anyway. Yeah. I th- I believe we'll get there. You know, geez, we had a, a client that we just signed up the other day to do an export trade mission. And uh, we're realistically going to go, or at least we're planning to go to UK in awesome. March. And I think you and I were chatting about that. And we've got another one that we're optimistically planning to go to Boston in the fall to do some business down there. So I've got my fingers crossed, man. And, uh, you know, I think if we do everything we can to keep everybody healthy and follow the guidelines uh, and keep everybody sane, I, I think we'll be good. But like, there's definitely like another pandemic that's out there where people are just like, yeah. getting a little shack wacky and you just got to kind of find your ways to like do your workout, stay focused. But uh, it definitely feels like we're living in a box. It really <laughs> does. But it, at the end of the day, it, it feels that way, but we also still have so many freedoms. Do you know, yeah. like you can get in yeah. your car and go for a drive. Like how many people in this world don't even have a car? We can just yep. get in a car and go get a coffee if you put it that way. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. But I th- I'm, at the end of the day, we have to be hopeful and, and, and that's the way it's going to be. And I, th- and I'm with you. I really believe that July 1st, this bubble's going to open. And I think we're kind of going to get back to hopefully some sort of reality. Oh, 100%. I was using an analogy the other day. We were talking to a FinTech client and I was trying to use the analogy. I said, Hey, any, any forest fire, no matter how devastating it is, what happens afterwards? Hmm. And then they were like, wow, 
Like, yeah. I don't know. And I say, well, think about it. What happens? What grows afterwards? And they're like, well, it actually enriches the soil and it ends up growing back typically stronger than before. And, and that's my hope for everything is that, hey, you know what? This might feel like a forest fire right now, but I believe that, you know, things will come back stronger um, as long as we stay focused and stay connected with each other. That's a that's a actually a very good analogy, man. That's because it's very true. You know, um, the fire always goes out too, usually. Yeah, hundred so. percent. Uh, the fire always goes out. The fire can't stay burning forever. It just at some point it's going to go out, and then you know what? It comes back. Mm -hmm. The cycle of life, man. Where's the favorite place that you've traveled? Uh, you mentioned the UK. I know you've traveled all over the place. We spoke about it a lot. Where's some that you somewhere you've trained and that's really kind of made an impact on you? But Marcelo's for sure. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think Marcelo's for sure is uh, it was really cool just to kind of be in there. But like I don't know. I, I feel like uh, like I'd be a little bit biased. Like uh, I I switched clubs, you know, a couple of years back. Um, cause when I first kind of started my competition, like I, I connected really well with Joel Jacquard, like, uh, which he's such an amazing guy and, mm -hmm. and my coach and, uh, and Christine and Josh and, and Joel and like, and like everybody along that. So I said, Hey, you know what? I just got to get over and, and get some of this Halifax BJJ action. And when I switched over, I was like, Oh my gosh, man, like. It's not about belts. It's not about any of that stuff. Like it, like it's just such a good culture. And I actually remember putting a post in the group and I said, Hey, like I look and see organizations that put millions of dollars to get the culture that mm -hmm. they've got at Halifax BJJ. And, mm -hmm. and I know I'm an advocate because I'm a, a member, but like, man, great coaching staff, mm -hmm. great communication, great accountability and just great, like overall synergy there. Yeah. And I just, uh, you know, I find uh, I find it hard to find that anywhere else, and I just, you know, I, I just I love the Halifax BJJ Club, and you know, I really admire what they do. Yeah, well, man, that's the thing. Like at the end of the day, like it's a beautiful facility. Everything that you just said is exactly right, and people can say what they want, but I, I have a lot of fun training there too, and it's a, it's a beautiful facility, and and they're doing the right things, and that you want members happy. You're in the business of making members happy, feel welcome, and providing a really good product for beginners, high level, mid, whatever it happens to be. And synergy is is a really good word that you use there because it's it's kind of implements all of those things. So, man, I love that. I feel the exact same way about my club and, and Jared and and everybody that I trained Rorison and everybody that I've kind of came up with too. And it's it's hard to match that once you kind of get that feeling that like for me it's like the the best thing in the world when i walk in there and i see i become a like i become a different person almost like the i can i smile talking about it so i know exactly yeah. what you're talking about man totally feels like family man and it should always feel like that right like you shouldn't feel shouldn't feel bad going in there or you shouldn't feel any kind of like you know issues like i remember like you show up late it's like man better to show up late and then not show up at all yeah. like you know jump on the mats man don't worry about it like it's all good like uh and just getting good roles in right like uh yeah i, I showed up trying to kill each other there marcello's <laughs> one the first time i ever showed up there i only went twice maybe twice i think i went to marcello's and the second time i went joel and uh, christine were already in their training and i showed up late because i was there for work it was like 10 minutes late and i was kind of sitting there and scott was sitting at the desk and uh I was like, oh, and finally he was like, we kind of got talking. He's like, no, man, just go. And I'm like bowing to Marcel and he's like, didn't even pay attention. He's like, man, whatever, like just just do your drills. Didn't even care in the least. And I was like, wow, I love this guy. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's, that's a big part. Like I see when new members come in and it's their first time there and I'm like, you can see how welcome they feel. And, yeah. uh, and I think that's such an important part. Like Huge. you think about first impressions and like, for me, like, especially when you work with organizations and, and new employees are getting onboarded, like, like they're going to decide in the first 90 days if they're going to, if they're going to stay. And a lot of times with jujitsu, it's a tough sport. Like you almost have to remind those, uh, those people that just started saying, Hey, you might feel exhausted. You might feel frustrated. You might be used to being like do the dominating person, but like, you know, work your way up, right. Stay focused. And, uh, and I, I've seen yeah. some people that have gone from the whites, the blues, to purples and like, like holy smokes like the focus that they've got is amazing mm -hmm. and that's the thing like 
if you can get that focus, that drive, you know, you're in, you're in the will to win at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're hungry. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I exactly, like you said, influences. I like, I think all the time about like Jared, uh, first and foremost, Dan Vanderlands and Kitts and Jared Boris and all those four guys that kind of, I started training with and Scott Noss is another one. Pat Carroll at the beginning, like those guys, if it wasn't for any of those guys, we wouldn't be here and, and I wouldn't be crazy enough to do any of these events. So at the end of the day, you, you, you got to be nice to people, man, because it, it makes it, I, I'm a big, big proponent of that. Like be kind, you know, make sure, Hey, how you doing? Welcome people. And you know, yeah. Oh, important. you can be, you can be tough on the mats and then shake hands at the end and yeah, you know, hug it out. Right. Like I, I've never really seen too many people on the mats that are like, you know, there to kill each other, right? Like, no. you know, that stuff doesn't last, right? Because there's always somebody that's going to be better and they're going to yeah. probably switch them into the ground. Exactly. Yeah, it's just going to get worse for you. So if you beat me up, they're just going to get other guys who are just going to kick the shit out of you <laughs> for sure. Man. What was your sub-series experience like? What, like, uh, was that, uh, that was pretty early on and you're, you did it twice, I believe, as Blue blue Belt, I believe. Yeah, I did uh, my first one. I think it was like brand new Blue Belt and, uh, and I think I bought uh, Marco, who was amazing. Like, uh, we had a great roll back and forth and, uh, and he got me and he was, he was at that point where he was really taken off in his jiu-jitsu yeah. career and, and I think he was amazing. Uh, and really, overall, super nice guy. And then I fought, uh, oh my gosh, the gentleman from your club, very, very big, strong guy. Travis, um, that's right. Yeah. Travis, and again, super nice guy and, and, and we had a good roll back and forth caught some top positions, actually ended up playing the lapel guard for a bit and uh, right. and got a toehold in there for the win. And uh, I, I thought overall the, the experience, the organization, like everything was awesome. And I think like your focus on just the fighters having a great time, I think was amazing. And then doing the tag, oh my gosh, like, uh, you know, me and Josh were coming in like, like we thought it was WWF. Like, yeah, this is like, awesome. It was amazing just to kind of like enjoy the sport, but also, you know, be able to roll. I think uh, we rolled with Drake in them initially. And it was just like, uh, it was, it was almost fun. reminding me a bit of like uh, wrestling with like, you know, your siblings, like when you're younger, like you're doing the yeah. actual tag part. I'm like, this is like organized chaos. Yeah, like, yeah. I love it. I, we, we had to change the rules because the first one was too outrageous. Like I was, I had nightmares thinking about it. Like someone snapping their leg. You know, like someone tagging yeah. and then falling on someone's leg. And I was just like, how we got away with it the first time without anyone getting hurt. We got to change it. And then we did it the second time. And I agree, man. I thought it's, it's like well said, like you said, it's to enjoy the sport. Like to me, that's what it's about. Like I love being around those those days, those tournament days, whether it's, you know, us or someone else doing a tournament. I love being around the community and, and just around people who love similar things. And I thought that was a ton of fun, man. People yeah, didn't like you, it. Some people hated it, though. Competitive uh, people, you know what? they did to not each like his it. own, right? Why? Geez, I remember when we were Drake and the other guy, I forget his, his name, but uh, we were rolling around, and I'm, like, so focused on uh, trying to get a tap, like somebody's going to end up pulling my foot off. Like, uh, <laughs> I was like, holy smokes, I need to focus on my limbs here, like, uh, not the tap. I but always, it actually exhausted you trying to get in and out, in and out, in and out, that I was like, it's not like sticking in transition positions. Like, so it, it was tough, man. And uh, yeah. there, there was nothing easy about it. And then when things got to OT, it was like, who had the best stand-up game, right? I, man, I personally loved it. I agree because I compete. That's right. I competed in that with Liam on a team. And that's I, I yeah. like the boxing out was a really yeah. kind of hard thing to, cause you're boxing out your, your opponent, but I would love to do it again. I think it would be something fun to do again. Um, but Chael, Chael does his kind of version of tag team and submission underground, but I don't think it's as good in a cage. It just doesn't sell it. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different, but I think what you guys did with the Kumite like stuff uh, is is incredible. Like just that high caliber jujitsu. You know, you know, no no match in there was like like nobody walked through anybody. Like it was, they were all tough matches. So it just shows like the caliber of some of the jujitsu that's out there right now. Like. That's Jeez, I remember training with Drake when I was up in Cape Breton because my wife's from Cape Breton. We were back seeing family before I was going to Worlds when I was blue. And uh, incredible back then and, and even more incredible now, you know, a two-time winner. I just think that that was 
truly amazing to have that. Yeah, yeah he, he's a wonderful kid, and he's a great representative of the sport. Like, he's very humble. He's a great leader and super talented. And that, that's young, like 21 years old or whatever he is, just got his welding degree, I think, at the community college. And great family there, kind of a great family story. And But I agree, man. Like, that, by the way, thank you for the kind words about the Kumite. And I think it's – Oh, my great. gosh, amazing. A lot of, you know, how many years now? I think this like 30 events now we've done that we finally kind of, we're getting there to the point where we're, you know, our productions, money is always a thing that, you know, we would love to be the UFC, but at the end of the day, it's, we got to be smart with how we grow and we have a, we have a plan. Yeah. You know what? Crawl, walk, run, man. Like we were doing a presentation for a big national veterinarian company today and it was on like performance management and profitability. It was our PMP kind of thing. Right. And what you guys are doing is right. Like, Crawl, walk, run, man. Make this section profitable and then leverage some of that money into scaling the model load and then, uh, you know, go from there. A lot of people will try and go big right off the bat and, the, you know, either it's a cash flow issue, it's a strategy issue, or it's, you know, strategic partners, whatever it is. Like, you guys are doing it right right now. And I think that that's, uh, that's such a huge part. Like, and everybody's, you know, you know, excited to be part of it. Like, that's the fun well. part. That, and that's it, man. Like at the end of the day, it's I like you said, it's uh, I kind of when I first started kind of this, it was like, oh, just throwing money out like crazy, like flying people in and paying people. And I was like, well, finally, it was just like, what? I would do an event and I'd be like, I look at it finally with the numbers of coming, I'd be like, I made two hundred dollars. Like what? Or, or or I lost like two thousand or whatever it would happen to be, right? So Foster is a is a great part in that. He's really kind of keeps me in check and on the back end for business things. Like John is really good and, and kind of keeps me in. No, no, we can't we can't spend that. We can't do that. And he's really good in that end. And it's a, it's an important team. And I think you guys can get there for that too. Like later when it's a more profitable model, but like when you had like Tom de Blas, like Jao, Jao Aziz and on Ridiculous. there and I was like, Holy smokes, like what a stage. But, uh, like, I'll that's, never forget that's... Joao sees that, that event. It was hilarious. Cause I, we were at the hotel and like, we, we were to the point, like Adam and I were doing at that time. Foster wasn't involved and it was Adam Frazier, uh, involved and we flew up and we were like all our credit cards were max like trying to pull off these events and i'll never forget joao sis was asking me for like a smoothie or something and i was like yeah yeah i'll figure it out like during the day before the event and i was trying and i and i rented a car and they didn't have any i don't know what i rented it was like a nissan maxim or something they didn't have any so they're like we only have a camaro or a uh, a Mustang, a Mustang convertible or a Camaro. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll take the Mustang. Thank you. <laughs> so here's me just pulling away in the Mustang. Joe, he's going like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, you must have tons of money, but realistically, I was just being ridiculous. It's a rental. <laughs> yeah, it's a total rental, buddy. Like I'm staying at the Best Western too. But and yeah, I think was... I think part of it too, though, is man, is having that network, and you guys are building up your network, which I think is key. Like we we say a lot of times we work with businesses, like network is net worth like mm. depending on what your production is like if you've got ten thousand twenty thousand or a hundred thousand people that are following you like that's your market that you're selling to is, is the people that are in your engaged audience so as you guys continue to keep growing that out like i think you guys will continue to or i know you guys will continue to make more money at it and, and kind of see the where the future is for it well and that's i think why we got to get you involved and we'll talk about that more uh, again but i think that's super important because they having that kind of stuff in writing like we have a lot anyway we'll talk more about it but yeah um, i think we will get there too i think uh, at the end of the day there's a lot of promotions out there who really focus on becoming either the ufc or want to kind of be a feeder organization for the ufc or, or compete with the ufc at the end of the day we want to focus on like local like bringing up amateur talent and building them and and kind of if mm. i see so many promotions they come out and sign fighters and i'm like well why like you, you have to guarantee now yourself four events that you like you, we can't even fucking do one event right now so <laughs> like I, like how you so it's to me it's like i don't know it's like you say crawl walk run yeah yeah 100 man and some of the best organizations sometimes get ahead of themselves and uh and it's it's a process right like that's why i like to keep it simple in business right like i never want to get people you know too far ahead before we've mastered each stage along the way um and that's really what we need to do like you can't skip steps like i remember like the old martin luther king uh quote was that you know don't look at the staircase look at the first stair 
And mm-hmm. the cool part about that quote is like, get the first stair down back, then the second stair is that much closer. And then when you get to the third stair, then eventually you're halfway up there and it doesn't look like such a feat. But, yeah. you know, when you look at that whole area that you want to accomplish, like that's why we try and break things down is from that quote, right? From from where they are to where they want to go, getting those steps in between, like that's the critical part. And that, that could really be your jiu-jitsu journey too for a lot of people starting out. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's true. like, man, Show up your first week, show up your first month, be there for a year, like start hitting some of those milestones, right? It's very well said. And I I, kind of often, I was saying this to Chelsea today about like the the virus that we're dealing with here. I don't understand why the government hasn't taken more of an approach like that. Like, uh, and I don't, I'm not saying I could do any better. Like they're doing a great job. I couldn't do any better, but like taking an approach like that, like kind of like using target dates to, you know, like kind of entice people a little bit more. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, know. you know, you almost wonder if it would get their hopes up or what it would be. But uh, I, you know, I think the updates are great every day. Like, which is it's just nice to kind of give some hopeful insight. But like, yeah. going out and doing the testing, I think is essential. Like, uh, I had yeah. done it for a while, and then I did a couple of the tests. And I initially, I was like, okay, cool, just out of you know, no, no symptoms, but I'll, I'm just gonna go do it because they're wanting to get everybody out. Oh my gosh. They like, I feel like it was coming out of the back of my head, but uh, I feel like after I got it done, I was in there and out in like 45 minutes with the result. I was like, this is incredible. So if yeah. they're running a system that efficient right now, like kudos to them. Oh man, it's impressive. And I, like at the end of the day, you have to believe in science and you have to like, we have to focus on the people that are getting us there and who've got us up. Like that's what they're, that's what they're educated for and have been in school forever for like, so trust them yeah. and, and stop trusting Instagram. <laughs> oh man i'm telling you like uh but the people there were like amazing high-spirited like really kind of like inviting like i was like holy smokes like what an area to like a lot of them were nursing yeah. students like what an area to kind of like sharpen your teeth on it's kind of getting yeah. into the middle of a pandemic right so true enough yeah you think like a lot of those nurses hopefully they're still around in, in 30 years working in that industry and with their experience and then they think back you know they're like oh, i remember in 2021 when you know this we went through this and oh you know, 100 we'll be telling that story you know what i mean pretty- like uh I said that to a business organization i said hey what does the future look like when you have to tell this story to somebody that never went through it and uh and they're starting to kind of talk about some of those milestones and some of the, like the highlights like we're in the forest fire right now but you know what the growth is coming oh yeah yeah that's right what do you got for uh, a couple final questions here for you dave i don't want to hold yeah. you up too much um for mentors for you like people i know you mentioned jack jack's been very very good to people in the combat sports scene here he's been very good to our business as well other people outside jack or, or jack himself people that have kind of influenced you along the way uh, both in business and in sport. Yeah, uh, you know what I would say, like, uh, geez, I, I did John Maxwell program, so I went to Orlando a bunch of times, and like John Maxwell, you know, really accomplished author, speaker, uh, really amazing, really inspired me along the way to do a lot of different things. But you know, geez, Jack's been a great support. Um, I used to have a, a you know an old boss, Pablo, who was you know a forever mentor of mine. Nice. Uh, and really taught me the value of asking questions versus trying to tell people what to do. And so we always take what they call a Socratic approach to business is like we try and ask the questions that somebody's probably only told themselves internally, but hasn't talked about it externally. And, mm-hmm. and when we get people to kind of bring that up, makes a big, big difference. But you know what? I'm always looking for mentors that are ahead of where I'm at right now. I'm old. That old Chinese yeah. proverb is like to know the road ahead, ask those coming back. And so I'm always looking for mm. different mentors. And I, I talked to Ron Lovett uh, there probably two or three weeks ago and just super inspirational to talk to him uh, and just his whole, you know, source security story and kind of where he's at today. Uh, really, really, really inspiring. Very cool. I love that, man. That it's it's so important to have people that to look up to it. Even look at people like Elon Musk or whoever it is that people look up to so much, and which obviously a lot do Elon because he's throwing out stocks like crazy. Uh, but people like him, like I don't know, it's uh, everybody kind of looks up to somebody. So you know, it's and I love seeing people like like yourself or, or, well, I guess I can't compare you to Elon Musk, but um, <laughs> people like Elon has people that he looks up to too. You know what I mean? So it's, it's yeah. a, a circle, man. That, um, advice for young entrepreneurs or, or young athletes, um, especially kind of ones that are on the cusp and, and 
you know, what, whether you say, I guess the advice for young entrepreneurs, they're going to have to pay for that. But the athletes. Uh... <laughs> yeah. You know what? Entrepreneurs, uh, I would say, you know, just dive in, man. Like uh, there's an old saying, like jump and build your wings on the way down. Um, you know what? Focus on your passion, not perfection. Uh, find out something that you're good at, something that you feel you could be the best at and something you can make money at. Like you can't chase something that you don't, you're not going to make any money at. Uh, but like find somebody that can be a mentor, somebody that can help support you. Mm -hmm. Like I had a mentor, uh, still a mentor, Peter Mummercat or Dr. Mummercat. He's a professor at Mount St. Vincent University. And, uh, he was always a mentor to me. Like find somebody that can help guide you that way. Cause that can be a really rough road or it can be you know, a pretty smooth path, uh, with the right direction. So surround yourself with great people and, and have a clear direction of where you want to go. Hmm. And well then young, young athletes, man, uh, go back to that frequency, intensity and technique. Like, uh, what you're going to get out is what you're like, what you put in is what you're going to get out. So the amount of times you show up, the mm. intensity that you put in on the mats and the techniques that you're willing to learn, like, and always believing that you can be better um i think is is the key like you see a lot of people that get to a point where they feel like they've you know peaked yeah. you know it's just endless man and there's an old saying that i love that says good better best never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best and that'll never stop man so uh, i think from an athlete perspective like man just keep pushing keep showing up and then try and find something that's better than you and just ask them questions man and and pick their brain you know when you get whooped, you know, ask them, you know, of questions on like, you know, what, you know, why, like, how, how can I get out of that position? Like, and, and try and provide that back down to people, you know, value as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I love that, man. That's great advice from uh, a guy who's kind of competed on, on the world level, local level and a lot of different places and, and put a lot of time in the sport. And I couldn't agree more, man, test yourself and, and don't be scared. I, I hear it a lot too, like from, and don't, I've been, guilty of it myself back in the purple belt days like when i was struggling with my neck a little bit i'd avoid really kind of like i would avoid big big people because my neck mm -hmm. was so busted i was like oh man but i now it's whatever i'm back and i'm good now and i love those hard rolls but I, i'm amazed sometimes because i hear from like big guys who are like oh man like certain people won't roll with me and i'm like ah i i don't like just get on that amusement park ride and go for a ride man and and see if if tap you know what I mean? If it's that bad tap, but at the end of the day, like it's, you're going to learn a lot taking your lickings. Oh man. You know who picks on me the most? Uh, Halifax BJJ. It was like one of my favorite training partners is Jocelyn fireball. <laughs> yeah, like, she's, she's like, she's like, I don't even know how much she weighs, but she's always whooping my butt. And like, she's keen to roll with me. And I think I've got probably like at least like 150 pounds on her. Yeah. <laughs> Good for her. She's, but she's like a, like again like you think about a kid like that and when she's 21 she's like 22 she'll probably be a black belt or whatever it is and and if she continues on her path and, and i don't know how that'll work but she's going to be very successful in the sport and have all that in her back pocket at such a young age it's it's really cool to see oh man i'm telling you like christine does an amazing job joel josh carlos like everybody that's on that whole coaching staff like amazing ladies there amazing guys like just, everybody's just like you know, on the come up there. It's, yeah. it's wicked. It's awesome, man. That's it. Hopefully it just keeps going better and better for them and everybody else that owns a club out there. I'm a big, big believer in that, man, as I've always kind of, you know, come together, work together and, and better together. So it's, it's very important, man. All right, buddy. Well, I won't uh, take up any more of your time. Any final thoughts uh, you want to give out here? I know I rambled on a little bit, but it's been a month. Oh my gosh. So. No, man. Like I uh, love being on, love the opportunity, love what you're doing. And uh, I always love seeing you guys when you guys come over to LFX BJJ and hopefully there's a time where we can kind of get all together and do that again. And uh, all I'd say is uh, like anybody that likes the business stuff, like you can check us out on LinkedIn, like on the ruminate group, like we, you know, we kind of post there every day if we can uh, just to try and keep, put out some inspiration or, make some people laugh. I think we had like a, a post on there today. There's a couple of books balanced on, uh, uh, was like, yeah. uh, step brothers. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll do whatever we can to kind of keep everybody uh, focused and keep everybody inspired. So check us out. But no, it was an honor to be on, man. I really appreciate it. No, and I appreciate you as well, man. We've known each other for a long time, so it's nice to come on. Episode 153, I apologize about my hair. It's quarantine. We both discussed that. But, uh, Same, you know, my, man. I got to get this. 
<laughs> you look good, man. Nice and handsome as always, pal. All right, buddy. Uh, be well. Keep uh, hope everyone in the family and everybody safe and sound. Lots of love to you guys. And uh, we will be in touch very soon, my friend. You too, brother. Take care and uh, everybody stay safe. Okay, buddy. I love the wave too. That's my favorite. See you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Reynolds, everybody. A wonderful guy. Get him, Get in touch with them, the Ruminate group. Uh, I'll, I'll, put, I'll make a little uh, post on, on Instagram as well. You can reach out to his business and, and check him out. But he's uh, a super great guy and, and very talented athlete and also a uh, consultant. So reach out. Get in touch with them. And, uh, yeah, be more like Dave. All right? Everybody be kind. Be good to one another. Compete hard. And we will see you soon. We're out of here. I think. Soon. Bye.